You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Amen. Well, I'll say this too. I'm really glad to be back. I took a little bit of time off uh, because we had our third baby born on May 25th. I know that's exciting. Three kids is as exhausting as people tell you it is. I'll just, if you, any of you have more than two, in the, or if you even have two, one kid is exhausting. Uh, but everyone, some, someone told me recently, like, oh, no, three kids is actually easier. And I was like, okay, sure. But uh, he was born, our, our son Isaac, so we have a boy now, Liam, who's almost six, our daughter, Sean, who's almost two, and then our son Isaac now, who's almost, no, he's a month old today. Oh, my gosh. He's a month old today. Um, and so... Uh, his brother and sister are just like captivated by him, adore him. When we brought him home, our daughter Shauna tried to literally just wrap her arms around his head and lift him out of my lap. And w- she didn't fully understand why she couldn't do that. So that was a little, little difficult. But she's gotten much better. Now she'll give him his pacifier, his blanket, his, the burp cloth, you name it. Like our daughter Shauna is almost like a little mini mom. It's almost, I don't even, ha- I don't have the word to describe it. It's cute, but it's also like, stop it. Stop it right now. You're two. Don't grow up too fast. Uh, but, and my wife and I, like, we are just, we are so in love uh, with our son. It's so much fun to have three. So thank you, church, all, also for everyone who just cared for us, prayed for us during that time as we led up to it as well. It was super easy. God bless this kid. He can sleep most of the time. Last night, though, he did not. We'll just say last night he didn't sleep. Uh, but family, I'll say this. I want to start. Family is so incredibly important, right? When we think about family and we think about where we come from and how we grew up and where we, where we go in life. Family is incredibly important. It's this thing that also can be a little sensitive subject for some. Thankfully for me, that's not the case, but the thought of family can be triggering for some, whether it be um, a father or a mother or maybe even a grandparent, aunt, uncle, or a brother or sister who has harmed you as you grew up or at, later in life. Family can be this almost stress-inducing concept to think about sometimes for people, but also on the other side, it can also be so joy invoking for some. The good news for all people on earth is that, you know, we all come from a family that at its core, it has the most loving, good, forgiving, gracious father in existence. Amen? It's good news. Uh, In the father's image, earthly parents do their best to live up to God's example, right? Like we just, we do our best. But if there's anything I know about being a parent now, is that I am not perfect. I'm far from it. I make mistakes. As a dad, as a husband sometimes, very rarely, as a husband. (laughs) But we are not perfect like God is. But we have a Father in heaven who is perfect. And that is, again, such good news. God doesn't fail. God's faithful. No word from him will ever fail. We know this, it says it time and time again in the scriptures, but if you look at even the book of Lamentations in chapter 3 where it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And church, again, encouragement here at the beginning before we can access, just learn to wait. Learn to wait on the Lord. His promises never fail. No word from God will ever fail. And we've been going through the book of Acts and like this deep dive in the book of Acts as you can see up there. And if you want to scan that QR code right there, you can kind of get a spoiler, quick spoiler of where we're going to go this morning and some of the verses we're going to look at, some of the points we're going to talk through. Uh, you just scan that code with your camera and you can see our sermon notes. Uh, 
But as we go through this, we, uh, we've been looking at this deep dive, which intentionally forces us as Christians to look at our family of origin. When we talk about family and where we come from, the book of Acts is the start of this long-lasting family that we all come from, right? The book of Acts is our DNA. Uh, it's like when our grandparents, when you read the book of Acts, it's like when your grandparents tell you the crazy stories about what life was like for them when they were growing up. And you're like, there's no way that happened. There's no way that happened like that you're telling me. In the book of Acts, it did happen. I recently, I was talking with my grandma um, who's 81, and she told me that when her uh, three kids, so my dad and my two aunts, were young, they were all pretty young, they at one point moved to Idaho from California, and they lived in a tent for like a month. And I was like, what? Like, when, when did you live in a tent? How, what concept, or like, how did you go from living in a home to a tent for a month? And just, I was so, it was such a crazy story to hear. It's something I'd never heard before about her life. And she's like, yeah, we just lived in a tent. And I can't imagine now I have three kids living in a tent with three kids, in a park, because that's where they were. But these stories we hear from people who have gone before us, they seem nuts, they seem crazy, they seem far-fetched out there, but what's so amazing about the book of Acts is we read these stories and we can go, that seems so amazing, that seems so crazy, but we can take those stories and we can do better. Um, we can do so much better. My, I recently learned of my family history, actually. My dad went through the, I don't remember which website he used, the the website where you can track your family and learn, like, we went, he went all the way back way far, found out, like, we're originally from somewhere around Scandinavia, and then um, our family was really good at just running away from wars, okay? <laughs> like, war broke out, and the Eglies would move. <laughs> and I don't, I don't mind that, because I'm here today, so thank you, ancestors, but we would move, and then we went from, to like Germany, and then war break out in Germany, we, and finally we moved, I, I don't know, he said like five or six times, and finally we found our way to Switzerland, which is where the people who don't want to fight belong. <laughs> and we just, we, hang, we hung out there, there's actually an, a town in Switzerland named after the Eglis, it's called Eglis Place, it's pretty cool. Um, and for a long time, it was the only city on the German side of the Rhine River, that Switzerland, that was a part of Switzerland, because again, we just kind of seceded from Germany, because we're like, we're out. Can we join you guys over there who don't fight anyone? And then learning the, how we got to America and learning just who's in our family and how we got here and how we came all the way to Oregon and California and Washington, and all about where my family went and came from. It was this amazing experience to go, this is who I am. I should probably be better at running from things a little bit because sometimes I get a little confrontational, but maybe I should learn a little bit more about who my family has been for generations and then try and emulate that as well. And that's what we get to do with the book of Acts. When we look at our family history, we can be amazed. We can be inspired. Yes, even shocked. Because not all Christian history is squeaky clean. Not all Christian history is just sunshine and roses. There's been a few bad things done in the name of Jesus Christ that we have to then now atone for and make better. It's hardly so. But Acts gives us something to be inspired by. And Acts is what we point to and say, I love this. Why not us? Why not us? And I love this too. I can do better. Because something my dad has always taught me growing up is that he want, he's always wanted his, he's had three, I have two older brothers, so he has three boys. He's always wanted us to be better than him. He said like, this is how I'm raising you. This is what I'm doing. This is the only way I know how. This is the best way I know how. But I want you to be better than me. And he, his, his dad told him that. I want you to be better than me. And I just got to trust my great grandpa said that to my grandfather. I want you to be better than me. We can be better. 
today, as we look at this complete book, we're going to go front to back. So open your Bibles. We're going to read from chapter one. I'm just kidding. Um, we're not going to do that. We'll jump around, I promise. But we're going to look at, uh, we've looked at the three first chapters so far, which is a literal whirlwind of just things happening. You've got Jesus ascending into heaven, the disciples going to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit coming down, Peter being like, hey guys, again, like you're not drunk, this is the Holy Spirit, things are happening, good things are happening, 3,000 people get saved. You know, you have people healing people, you have a Peter grabbing a guy off the ground and it's like, hey, you're going to walk now, who couldn't walk before. And you have all this crazy things happening just in the first couple books of Acts. It's this literal whirlwind of things happening. But Acts, it doesn't slow down. This is, if you want to read an exciting book and you want to maybe skip ahead uh, in our deep dive, read through the whole book of Acts because it does not slow down from the moment of chapter one until he gets to the very end when Luke finishes writing. So I'm going to jump around a little bit. If you need to follow along, you can look at our screens. We're going we're gonna to have it up on the screens or you can have lightning quick fingers and you can skim through your Bible really fast. Um, I'm not that fast, so I have, I'm going to re- look at my notes. Um, but I want to give you guys kind of a sneak peek at the whole book before we get into chapter by chapter continuing that. Because when Ron said, you can speak on anything you want in the book of Acts. So I said, I'm going to speak on the book of Acts. You're welcome. Um, so the first thing is this morning is what we're going to learn from the book of Acts. If we look at it and what we can learn from it, we can understand when we look at Acts, Acts shows us we can understand who we are by looking at where we come from. This is pretty good, right? I kind of set the stage for this, right? Do you guys feel like we're ready to talk about this? We can, look, we can know who we are by looking where we come from. Because Acts is a really good origin story, right? Origin stories are really popular these days. If you watch any Hollywood, like any movie coming out of Hollywood right now, it's either a remake of something they've already made, and they're trying to make more money off of it, or they're telling an origin story of someone so they can make more money off this person later. Like, if you just look at Marvel, any Marvel movie in the recent last 10 years, it's just someone's origin story of how they became who they are. Origin stories are popular. They're, like, they're fun. People like to know how people got where they are. Um, and I don't pretend to stand up here today and tell you anything brand new under the sun, but what I love to do is I love to be reminded about how important certain things can be. Because we can sometimes be a little forgetful about why we do things the way we do them. This is why, I would say this, this is why the old tend to lead the young. And this is a good thing. So if you're a young person in the room, hear me when I say this. Let, let someone a little older than you lead you. That's okay. It's okay. Those who have gone before us show, can like, should and should be able to be viewed as, as valuable, as like solid in their weight in gold. And gold's at a pretty high right now, I've heard. But people who have gone before you and want to teach you, they, are, they are, should be viewed as solid gold because they they're taking their time when they could be learning or furthering themselves and they're choosing to further you. The stories and experiences we can glean from, from other people who have gone before us are invaluable. And I'm not saying this only to the young people in the room. There's other people in the room who might even be a little bit older who could say, there are people in front of you who want to pour into you. Who are they and where are they? So the same is true when it comes to our walk with the Lord. Do you, have a, do you have a mentor? Do you have someone in the faith you can look up to and follow? Do you have someone that when the Bible stumps you or the Holy Spirit says something to you and you don't quite understand that you can go to them and say, what does this mean? Do you have someone like that? I would encourage you if you don't, find someone because you, you will find that your faith, your relationship with Jesus will just flourish as you allow someone else who's gone before you to help lead you to a place where you want to be. The book of Acts is that for us. It's our guiding line. Everything that happens in this book uh, is through the faith of God's followers, putting their trust in his Holy Spirit. So 
Can anyone say this this morning as well? The Holy Spirit is kind of the key here. It's the contributing factor in everything that was able to happen in the book of Acts. And it's still the contributing factor in everything that's helping, uh, happening in our lives today. Any great thing that God does in us, he's doing through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. The same Holy Spirit that rests on every single one of everyone who's ever come to faith ever rested in the Holy Spirit of the, the disciples and led them as well. We know this, Ephesians 1.13. It's my, one of my favorite verses because it's so true. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal that promised Holy Spirit. So that faith in Jesus you have right now has given you access to the same Holy Spirit and the same power that made the book of Acts possible. And in Romans 8.1, it says this. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Church, we have the power to bring a lot of life into the world around us because the Holy Spirit who brings life living in us. Can someone say amen to that? If you have that power living in us, then why not us? Like we said earlier, why not? What is holding us back from operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And I'm, I'm going to say it's probably the same thing that holds us back from anything else we want to do in life. Because I don't, I don't stand up here saying, thinking no one in the world wants to, or no one even in this church for that matter, wants to use the Holy Spirit to tell people how good God is. I think we all have a goal of that. But there's this one thing that tends to get in the way of everything we do, and it's called life. Life gets in the way of things, doesn't it? You know, we want to do something, we have a goal, but then something in our life gets in the way. And church, I want to say, life, it's okay when life, that life gets in the way. Don't be ashamed or don't feel bad because life has gotten in the way of maybe something God's asked you to do. But if we have that same power in us, like I stated earlier, the apostles and their acts, that is in our DNA, it's who we are. We look up to them to find out who we are. If we look back to the book of Acts, we see who we are made to be. We are evangelists. We're teachers of the word. We're bold. We're passionate. Yeah, and we're a little reckless, and that's good. We're passionate for his story, and we are disciples who are making more disciples of Jesus. Until Jesus comes back, we are on mission in the image that the disciples left for us. This is who we are. We have a huge legacy to live up to. We have this legacy that's been given to us. The moment we stepped into faith and said, I want to be a part of that family and the story God's writing, you became a part of that legacy that is saying, we have hope for the world. <clears throat> and through the power of the Holy Spirit is possible. It won't be without mistakes though, but it will be powerful. And the second thing is this, is the act shows us this is how we can learn from mistakes made in our family. This is, again, going back to one thing my dad always said was, I want you to be better than me. I want you to see the mistakes I made, or I want you to hear about the things that I did when I was young, or as I've raised you, and I want you to make better choices. I want you to be better. We can be better by learning from the mistakes of the people who have gone before us. And I know, um, I'll speak truly, uh, truly as well as someone who's still a little bit younger, we like to make our own mistakes, and I don't, un I don't understand why. When someone's like, hey, please don't do this, it will not work, especially, like, I, I love my brother dearly, Chase. If I tell him he can't do something or something won't work, he will do it that way just to try and prove me wrong. I love the guy. It's like how I grew up, and I got to, whenever him and I would do something together and something looked a little scary or a little too high or a little too crazy, I'd be like, Chase, I bet you can't do it. And then he would do it. Okay, it's possible. I can do it too. It's fine. No, we're not going to die if we try this. 
But the early disciples experienced and celebrated countless successes, right? One of the largest being literally taking their biggest aggravator and enemy of the gospel in the way of Jesus Christ and Saul and turning him into their, one of their biggest assets. That Jesus stepped in and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how powerful I am. I'm going to take the guy who's doing the most damage for the furthering of my church and I'm going to turn him into one of the biggest weapons for furthering my church. And it's that, I'm not going to say it's that easy, but it is that possible that if there is someone in your life who's aggravating, who's, who's stepping in the way, who's almost, who almost could be getting in the way of you wanting to talk about Jesus, Jesus has done it before and he will do it again. You pray for that person. You talk to that person. You come before that person. There is nothing that can come against the gospel of Jesus Christ and prevail. Is there an aggravator in your life? Have you prayed for them? Have you invited them maybe into, a, into a, your family, into a church family? The people who did the miraculous and became those we look up to were normal people just like you and me. In the book of Acts, we see a lot of stories of people doing great things and doing these miraculous things, and they were normal people just like you and me. And see, one of the worst things we can do is, I think, idolize the disciples and idolize the things that happened in the book of Acts. Uh, and only be, only be in awe of them. Because we can be in awe of the Acts, that's great, but we also must strive to be, have that kind of life as well. Any good coach, and I had a lot of good coaches growing up, but any good coach will, will tell you, like, you can't get better at something by, like, looking at it and thinking you want to get better. You have to actually go out, out there and get your cleats dirty or, like, scuff up your shoes or fall down to the ground and get a couple bruises on the way to being better at something. You don't just want to be better at something and be better. That's not how it works. You must get out there and get dirty. You must make mistakes and experience success, too. We cannot merely be hearers of the, of the word, church. We have to be, most importantly, we have to be doers. And like we find this in James chapter 1 where it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I think, I wish it was that easy again, like just do what the word says. James is putting it pretty, pretty clearly here. Like his book, like the book of James just started in chapter 1. He's like, hey, like if you want to just do what the word says, just do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like in someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself intently, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And church, we can't have this mentality of, that's really good, that was a really good message, Pastor Ryan, thank you for that. I'm going to go home and take a nap and go to work on Monday and just go back to normal. We, we have to let this change us. We have to let the words of the, God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the words that God has put in this Bible for us change our life and actually do something with it. We cannot forget that we have a calling to pursue the Holy Spirit of God and his gifts when we leave here today. Because like I said earlier, life gets in the way, but life shouldn't get in the way of the gospel. Our lives should propel the gospel forward. Life will get in the way, but it shouldn't. Life, your, your life should be what is actually moving the momentum built before you that has gotten you where you are in the gospel, where we are here today, forward. <coughs> Mistakes were made in the book of Acts. So we see uh, that Paul, formerly Saul, needed to be blinded and set straight, you know, before the, like, he kept going down the path he was going on. Uh, we see in, that in Acts chapter 9, we see the followers of Jesus, like uh, in John Mark, who left Paul and Barnabas on their very first missionary journey that they went on in Acts 13. How he abandons them because he was too frightened or he didn't think that he was good enough or he didn't feel prepared enough, <coughs> so he leaves. And then we see Paul and Barnabas get in an argument in the book of Acts over what to do with Mark. And even like their friendship splits and ends because 
they, Paul doesn't want John, to come, John Mark to come with them, and Barnabas does. And we see this, this split of a relationship. Even in Galatians chapter 2, we see that Paul is telling the church in Galatia about how Peter, the man like, that God first used to save gen- the Gentiles when he, uh, he went to visit Cornelius. Spoiler alert there, we'll get there. But when he first saved the very first Gentile and Cornelius, Peter, the guy God chose to do it, when he visited Antioch and he was speaking to the Gentiles and the non-Jewish believers and sitting with them and eating with them, but when the Jewish believers came up, he didn't sit with them anymore. And he moved and only sat with the Jewish believers. And Peter tells him, and like, or Paul tells the church in Galatia in chapter 2 of Galatians, he's like, I had to go and confront him to his face because this was so wrong. People made mistakes. And I'll say this, this that's, that's okay. Because every mistake leads to success later. And we have to be okay at, one, ourselves making mistakes and the people around us making mistakes too. No one around us is perfect. We're not perfect. <coughs> Excuse me. We can't have such a high ceiling or such a high expectation of what needs to happen. Because mistakes will be made, and how we respond to those mistakes is what makes us and sets us apart. <coughs> There's this really incredibly famous guy named Thomas Edison. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He, he invented the light bulb. Um, he has a very famous quote, a very, very famous quote. And there's a bunch of different versions of it. So I think maybe this guy loved hearing himself say his own quotes over and over and over again. Because it ranges from like 100 to 10,000. So I don't know. But I kind of met in the middle here when I was finding this quote. But he said this. He was inventing the light bulb. And he said, when they said, asked him about how many times it took him to invent it and what took him so long to invent it. How did he feel about making so many mistakes or so many prototypes of a light bulb that wouldn't work? And he said, I didn't fail 1,000 times. I have just found 1,000 ways that a light bulb doesn't work. And this is the way I think we can view our lives. Like we can't be so obsessed about our failures or maybe things that didn't work. When you grow or you maybe you're, you're talking to someone about Jesus and they don't come to church, that's okay. That's not a failure. That's just a way for you to realize, hey, I tried. I can try another way. I can try again. I can try a new way. Because failure is not failure if you choose to look at it as, a, as a success that you're making later. And he said this, he's like, I, I, didn't, I didn't fail 999 times. I just found, I found 999 ways the light bulb doesn't work. And I found one that it does. And I think that is such a great mentality for our church, for the church to have. Is that when you talk to your neighbor across the street about coming to church, or maybe even ask them, hey, do you, do you go to church? Are you a believer in Jesus? And if they give you just like stonewall, that's okay. You started a conversation, you planted a seed. This world is not currently heading in a direction towards God, I think. Uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. There are failures ahead of us, just as there are failures behind us. But every failure behind us is a setup for the success ahead of us. I think the disciples learned that. They made a lot of mistakes in the, in the early church. Maybe not all of them. I, I, I'd, I'd guess, actually, not all of them are recorded in the book of Acts. Every failure. But there was a lot. There was some mistakes that set up things for success later. maybe that friend that you've been reaching out to, that family member you've been praying for, Acts shows us that success is ahead of us even when failures are are behind us. When we follow the Holy Spirit, we know how the story gets to end. It's great. We get to to know the ending and kind of be like, oh, we we get to know how this all ends. We get to decide how we get there. Church, we know how everything's going to end. We get to know the ending. God's given us that clearly. We get to decide how we get to the ending and what we do in between. And so lastly this morning is this, is that Acts shows us 
um, we make the future of our family better. We get to, we get to, not have to, but we get to make the future of the church, God's family, of faith, of what it means to be a Christian better. Excuse me. I'm going to do something here that most people don't like when you're telling a story, okay? Like when you tell a story and it's got really good rich details. Unless you're my wife, when I tell my wife a story, she's like, tell me the ending so I'm not like having to be crazy and wait for it and then tell me all your crazy details on how you got there because I don't care. Um, she's a mom of three now. She's a mom of three now, okay? We, we're pretty busy. Uh, but when I tell Sabrina a story, she's like, I don't want all those details. Just get to the end of the story. But I'm going to do something. I know some, I don't like it when this happens, but I'm just going to skip to the end of the book of Acts. We've kind of we've told you some of the cool stuff that have happened, some of the mistakes that have happened, some of the other things that have happened in Acts. Let's just, let's look at how the book of Acts ends. And if you're like, no, Ryan, don't do it. I don't want to know. I'm sorry. We're, we're going we're gonna to go there. But we're going to look at Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. This is the last three chapters of the book. It says this, For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The end. Now here's the context what this is. Paul is awaiting trial here. He's living in Rome. He's rented a house for himself in Rome. And he's waiting trial because he is asked to plea his case before Caesar. And he is waiting for, he actually has to wait years for this to happen. And we don't actually, it does not, it's not recorded in the book of Acts how that ends. I don't know why. Luke was with him. Luke's been there through a lot of it. But for some reason, the book of Acts ends in chapter 28. We don't get to know what happens. We don't get to know what happens next after that. We don't get to hear about any of the other cool stuff that the disciples did after Paul, spoiler alert here, dies. Um, you should know that by now, though. He's, that's 2,000 years ago, so that shouldn't be a shocker to you. Um, after Paul dies or after other things, we don't get to hear about all the crazy adventures or the crazy moves of the Holy Spirit that other disciples do because it ends in Acts chapter 28. There is no climactic ending. There's not even a cliffhanger that's like, oh, I want more. Can I go to the next chapter and find out what happens? None of that. There's nothing that puts a nice clean bow on the book of Acts. It just kind of stops. It just ends. But the Acts of the Apostles have not ended. I want to say this. Uh, they continued, and they're still happening right now today. Every time, church, you pray, every time you walk in and talk to someone about Jesus, every time you pray for someone to be healed, every time you knock on your neighbor's door to bring them cookies at Christmas or wish them a happy Easter or even ask them, like, hey, have you, do you want to come to church with me this Sunday? Every time you do that, you are living out the book of Acts continued today. Your acts continue the legacy of the family of believers that was started over 2,000 years ago. Think about that. Think about how nuts that is. And there is still more to be done. The acts of the apostles and followers of Jesus are not finished. And that's why I think the book of Acts isn't finished. I don't think it has an actual finish and end. Because I don't think God wanted us to look at an end of a book and say, that was really cool, all, that, all the amazing things that they did. We're just going to stop there. Let me say this, the book of Acts, again, it's our guiding line, it's our example, it's our DNA, it's our call to action. It is now on us to be the doers of the acts of the disciples of Jesus Christ. It is okay if that seems daunting to you, though. My encouragement would be this, start somewhere, even if it's small. Like committing to pray by yourself for someone, that's great. Uh, or showing someone like the love that they don't deserve, that's great. There is nothing too small that we can do to affect the kingdom of God. 
Because everything we do that affects the kingdom of God affects eternity a little bit. Um, think about the boy from, uh, I think it's the book of John, with the boy who had the, the five loaves and the two fish. Think about him. Okay, this is what it says happened. Uh, when there's a great crowd of people here, and Jesus is teaching them, and they are hungry, and they have no food for them, and then this happens, and it says, and one of the, another one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. They weren't even like big pieces of bread, or they weren't even like big fish. They were just little itty-bitty ones. But how far will they go among so many? Think about this boy who is in this crowd of like over 5,000 people, and they need to feed them, and he had the idea to say, I've got this. What can we do with this? What if the boy didn't say that? What if he didn't say, hey, I have this small amount, this small gift to give. I know it's not much. I know it's probably not going to make a difference. But then Jesus took it, and he made a difference. He took a, something so small, and he worked a miracle through it. This boy who thought this small thing he had to give, he was going to give anyways. Even if it didn't make a difference, he wanted to give. And church, maybe, maybe praying for that one person you need to pray for, you think it's small. You think it's not a whole lot. But what the amazing thing about God and Jesus is that he's able to take our small gifts or the small things that we do or that we are comfortable doing, and he can multiply it across eternity. The miracle would not have happened like it did if this boy didn't choose to be faithful and say, I've got something small. I know it's not much, but I'll, I'll give it. Church, if you feel like you've got something small, give it. Get it. Do it. Live it out for the glory of God. Even if you think it's small, it's going to do something. God will use everything we allow him to use, and he will take it farther than we even thought possible. And that's good news. Are we willing to be a church that says, yes, to every person in Canby must know about the saving power of Jesus? Are we going to be a church that says, yes, like, hey, everyone in Canby, Aurora, Hubbard, Wilsonville, Oregon City, anywhere we can reach to, is going to know about the saving power of Jesus Christ? Or do we want to be a church that loves can be so deeply that we move mountains in our cities, in our streets, in our neighborhoods, in the lives of our neighbors, in our businesses? No one is too young or too old to live out the acts of God that he's put before us. Our spirit, spiritual family lineage is too rich to allow it to stop. All it takes is one generation of believers not doing it, and it's gone. I mean, that would be pretty difficult to do across the entire world. But if my generation or the next generation after me and my generation, Generation Z, they decide we're done with the whole Jesus thing, we're not going to talk about it anymore, it's gone. All it takes is one generation not passing it to the next, not taking it seriously, not loving the fact that we are a part of the acts of the disciples as well. Let's go out there and live up to that name that's been passed down to us, that name of Christians. And actually, in the book of Acts, this is where I'll end, is where we first see the word Christians used. In Acts chapter 11, you see, it says this, Then Barnabas went to, Tar uh, to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is where we bring our name in. When followers of Christ, the word Christian just means little Christ. We're little itty bitty Jesuses walking around. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It's pretty powerful. But just because we're little does not mean we do not have the full power of Jesus operating in us. This is the name that was actually used derogatorily during its conception, but now it means something so much more today. As Christians, we live and breathe and spread the same gospel the disciples of Jesus did. Think about that. The message hasn't changed. 
but the message has changed the world. And we get to continue to be a part of that. Talk about, you know, following in the footsteps of those, like, people who have come before you, right? And if we preach that same gospel, then we live in the same miracle-generating power of the Holy Spirit as well. We can see miracles happen in our lives, the lives of our families, the lives of our neighbors. All it takes is a little bit of faithfulness, a little bit of realizing the little bit you do have to give, and saying, God, I've got this. What are you going to do with it? I've got this to give. I have this thing I can do. I'm going to do what at least I can do. Church, this is who we are. Tomorrow at work, uh, will we let this, the spirit of fear dictate the mission of the gospel? Or like we heard last Sunday when uh, uh, Pastor Dave Metzger was speaking, will we allow the Holy Spirit to move through us and make the miraculous happen? Like when Paul didn't have money, but what he did have, he did give. He says that. In Acts chapter 3, he said, I don't got money, but what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And that man walked. In church, we may not have, you may not have money, you may not have resources, or maybe you do, but we all do have something to give. My, my encouragement or my challenge at the end of this message today, this morning is this, is find what you do have to give and give it. Find what you do have to live in the name of Jesus and live it. Go where God's asking you to go and go. We don't need a miracle like that to happen tomorrow, but though that would be great, maybe all we need tomorrow is just to witness the power of loving someone you did not think you could. Or the loving power of God changing someone's life you didn't think that that person could change. Having the boldness to speak the gospel of Jesus uh, where you would normally be timid to do so. These are, all, these are all available to us. What does this week look like for you when you let the Holy Spirit take the lead on everything? Not just something or nothing or some things, but everything. And my, what I want to do is I want to say, I want to end by saying this. I want to look forward to stories in the coming weeks of things that this church or the people who are, have heard this message have gone and done because they said, I've got this to give and I'm going to give it. Or I've got this to do and I'm going to do it. I would love for you to email me, to sit down and talk to me or find me on a Sunday and say, Ryan, like your message, this, this is what God was able to do because I, I just did one thing. I want to hear those stories because those stories are powerful. And if we don't continue to tell those stories, we're not adding to the book of Acts. We're not continuing this book of Acts. Church, share those stories. Share the power of God. Share the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life because it's infectious. It gets people excited. There's a reason why we share testimonies a lot of time in church or share stories of what God's done. Because when someone hears what someone God has done in your life, they're like, I, why not me? I can do better. Amen? I wanna hear, we want to hear those stories. Let's pray as we close this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray for the move of your Holy Spirit in this church, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our friends, in our families, our neighbors. Lord, I pray that we would, you'd give us all the boldness, Lord, to step out in faith. And Lord, uh, if we don't know what that looks like, I pray that you'd show us what we have to give. I pray that you would help us see what we can do. I pray that you would show us how we can live to be an example of the book of Acts right now. Lord, I pray that we would be just so passionate about our origin story and our family of origin and where we come from. We would look at that and say, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to strive for. And I want to be better. Lord, help us to see that where we come from and live that out today. Lord, I pray that we would just be, we would not let life get in the way, but we would let our life be what gets in the way of other people. We would, our life would be what propels the gospel forward, not what stops us and makes us too busy to do so. Lord God, I pray that your spirit and your Holy Spirit would come and rest on us and we would follow your lead. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.